0: Weird trick mafia. Yeah, Yeah, it is.
1: (laughs) Here we are. Weird as
0: ever. Yeah, so today we have Abby. Do you want to introduce yourself? Um, I am Abby Fuller. Uh, I work for Amazon. Um, I have a weird title. I guess it's Container Zarina, which no one knows what that means, including me most of the time.
1: But it sounds like it involves containers and ruling russia
0: yeah although my my coworker is a russian history major and she informs me that containers arena is not in fact historically accurate and i am disappointed but hopefully, hopefully i'll get past it
1: Wh- which dimension of inaccuracy did she inform you about
0: the spelling the container part <laughs> the principal part <laughs> Literally, literally all of it
1: <laughs> these are the times that try zarina's souls
0: <laughs> i know my no one no one believes no one believes in my zarina ship so like is a Tsarina then like the the female version of czar yeah yeah okay okay, okay. so there's... Favorite, someone once asked me how they could get a job as a zarina, and i was like. <laughs> It's just a made-up title. <laughs> I don't know how to replicate that.
1: You should have said there can be only one in that. Yeah, that's good. How did you? How did you get to be the container Zarina? What was the? What was the path? A
0: random, a random assortment. So I guess it depends on how early you want to start on the path to to ship. How early um,
1: do you want to start?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did. I was on the evangelism team for Amazon for a while, um, for AWS. Um, and then I moved over to a service team, um, six months ago. So that is when, that's when I changed a Zarina. Nice.
1: Interesting. So before you came to that place, what did you do? Like, how'd you get into computers?
0: How'd I get into computers? Um, computers were a hobby that I did not realize was a job. Um, so then I went to school for political science, which clearly I'm using a ton of. My parents are very proud. Um, did that, took one, I discovered that computer science was like a class, uh, my senior year, which is the perfect time. Um, cause I'm sure that previously I could not have taken time out of my busy astronomy schedule to, to, be, to fit in like actual job related stuff. Um, so I did that for one semester, and then I was like, oh, it turns out that you can do this for a job. And then obviously I had graduated, so I wasn't qualified to do that for a job. Um, so then I did sales for a tech startup for like eight months, and then we got acquired. And then I was like, you know, I don't think I like doing sales anymore. I was terrible at it. Because um, I'm like, yeah, no, you probably shouldn't buy this. Um, to be honest, that's good. That's a good trade. <laughs> It's it's a good trade in general, but it makes you a really bad salesperson. About that Unless person. the product is good, then you're a great salesperson because like, yeah, yeah so that so is true.
1: You, you walked into a startup and they're like, you're going to do sales. And you're like, sure, I'll do sales.
0: I think I cold emailed them and was like, I'd like a job. I'd like one job, please. Um, <laughs>
1: I'll take a job.
0: <laughs> I'll take a job um and then and then what they were hiring for was sales and I was like well you know I want to get into tech so I'll just do whatever and then um then I picked up a lot of the Salesforce stuff Salesforce is a pretty solid way into being paid to do computer stuff uh mainly I think because no one wants to use a weird version of java um
1: so it's so like the cottage it. the cottage industry of configuring Salesforce to do whatever crazy workflow that one company wants to do. That's
0: So you can do a ton of sales for in Salesforce without ever programming anything and then yeah, okay. uh but then if you want to extend it you can use their language uh to do that. So then I kind of picked some of that up and then uh when we got acquired I moved to the to the product team with my Salesforce. Um and then at some point I decided that I wanted to do more data stuff kind of beyond what was in Salesforce or to improve what was in Salesforce. So I did like a, like a big data cleaning up project in Python through the the tolerance of the CTO who was probably like, the person's just going to keep asking me annoying stuff until, until, <laughs> until, I, until, I, until, I, until I give her something to do, which is extremely on brand. Um so then I did that for a while. So and your advice I,
1: for anyone who wants to come up is be annoying.
0: I mean, I think Jess actually said on Twitter once that that was what she and I do as jobs It's just yeah. annoy people as a service. And I think that that's exact. That's that's pretty fair. Like that in cold emails, like people should honestly do more often. I think because it's that it's that uh like kind of ambition that some people lack, and so it's nice to have that. Honestly, yeah. Just like what are they going to do if you? they yeah. could ignore there's no downside like either they ignore it or they email you back and so it's like cool win-win um so definitely no problem with cold emails so i guess that kind of worked out and i'm still not really sure how it worked out so you cleaned like, up
1: the data with python i did and then um, you a after that
0: no so then i did that for a while and then um as acquisitions go, I stayed for a year after the acquisition. Um, and then I was like, maybe not for me. Um, so then I went to another startup, um, and did, uh, sort of the same thing. I did a lot of their CRM stuff. And then I did, so this was Halo. Uh, and at the time, um, Halo was, uh, they all still go and talk about it places now, but they were doing the whole like monolith to microservices thing. So they were rewriting everything in Go, doing like this crazy distributed microservices things and like speaking at meetups about it. Uh, so obviously it was just me hanging out in New York, paying people with PHP when they were all like, Go! Like, how, <laughs> how cool is all this stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> we pay people with this with this crafty PHP stuff, but like definitely makes for a cool conference talk." Um, so I did that for a while, um, got laid off because startups generally have money problems at some point. So at this point we've gone through two of the possible exit options. Um, one got, one got bought, one went bankrupt. And then, although you can still take halo rides in Ireland, fun fact. Um, then I went to another startup to do real, that was a real estate startup, um, did their like opsy infrastructure things. Um and then did that again at a fourth startup for like two years. And then I came to AWS. That's dope. I, I was, like know uh, the startup life well. That's that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Many different many different options. Bankrupt, sold, successful. I don't know if I've tried successful yet really, but
1: <laughs>
0: maybe some. <somewhere. laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe someday
1: i i tried a few of those options along the way i think we all we all had a i mean I, this is another little quick aside but when you first believe in a startup it's like this magical moment and you're like oh it's gonna work and you're gonna do like all these things that make it work and then like when it fails it's like your heart's broken and you can never feel you can never love again
0: yeah yeah you put so much. You put so much into them, um, and you get so close to the people that work there, and you spend so much time with them. And then um, everything feels like very dramatic. Oh my god! Yeah.
1: But but it's actually I, in some ways it's predicated on you putting so much into them, and yeah, like borders on exploitation, like emotional like exploitation. Oh, for sure. Like this, nope. this first sure. CEO I worked for, like I believed so hard in what we were gonna do. And no, that, we've
0: had this conversation—the the Elizabeth yeah. Holmes thing.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, you wanted? Did she
0: work for Theranos?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we did a podcast about it before. Because, you
0: know, like, it is, it is, it is a form of exploitation. Like, it's like almost manipulative, right? Except, yeah, without,
1: think- except without the almost.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay, Good. Yeah. Cause so so I'm on the right track. (laughs) they, They bank, I think on the whole, we're a family, like we're all working really hard. We're all hustling. Like it's totally normal to have perks. Like we'll feed you every meal in the office as long as you, as long as you work all the time. Um, or like, I think at one startup, like I was the only person on call for like a while. And they, 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 they bank on the fact that like everyone wants, everyone, everyone is so invested that they're going to put it in into so many hours to make it work.
1: Oh, yes. But what I, what I really was talking about for me was how, like, I never got back to that point within, with like another startup. It's like, it's like your first love and then your heart's broken. And then it's like, you always protect your heart after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually really true, because, like, it is not a family. Like, you realize that pretty soon after, like, things yeah. go fit um, And then it is, like, uh, you can't love again, maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean,
1: I want to love. Don't get me wrong, but I just... You have to
0: protect your heart. Exactly. I just like a huge marshmallow, though. That's the problem. <laughs> well, nobody knows that. We should keep that a secret. And, so <laughs> Andrew, can you... Edit that out. <laughs> which,
1: which part?
0: <laughs> Jess doesn't want anyone to know she's a marshmallow.
1: <laughs> we'll leave that for already her. know. <laughs> there's there's no secrets here. So there you are. You're the czarina. What what's exciting about what's going on with this uh container thing?
0: <laughs> Just the container thing.
1: Or whatever, um, computers, like people use computers to do stuff.
0: I think, I think my favorite is that the the smaller we make the pieces to things and the kind of the lower that we go, the more people find that they can kind of play with and that they can tweak. Right. So that like some people might be using containers. Some people might be thinking about micro VMs. Some people might be thinking about unikernels like Everyone's always kind of doing something cool. And I think systems wise, the more, the more little pieces that you have, the more there is to go wrong. So it's like ever increasingly exciting distributed systems problems. I feel like that's, what's exciting right now for me.
1: But in some ways, everything you just mentioned is somewhat interchangeable like at that that layer. Right. And, and you know, not to, uh, not to lead the witness at all, but there's like also like, serverless stuff which is like so far removed from that world it's like you don't even you don't even worry about it
0: yeah I think you end up with well somebody always worries about it right so
1: you would hope so you would hope so
0: well there's always the person on the internet right that's like did you know that serverless has servers I'm like I actually I had no idea like hold on I gotta call some people (laughs) like let the world know I don't know if they know Stop and presence. anyone's told easy to. And people, people, so there's always going to be someone that worries about it. And to make the serverless stuff work, there's always going to be someone that thinks about like, how can I make this faster? Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's, there's the total and complete opposite, which is as a, as a user, how can I care less about the underlying infrastructure and more about the whole, like everything that I write should be, should be just about my application and just about what makes me different. So I think you can really, you can really approach it from kind of both sides. The people that are innovating at the lower levels, trying to figure out how can we make this all faster and safer and more performant. And then the the customers from the other side that are like, I just want to run my stuff. I don't really want to care about how you're doing it. I just want to kind of run it. And that's how I think where the whole serverless thing comes in. I
1: mean, because if the interface is the same, I don't know if it's running on unit kernels or containers or micro VMs. I don't
0: care. You shouldn't have to care. I think. I mean, that's what I would argue is that you shouldn't have to care. That unless that's something that you're in, like personally invested in, that that's the space that you want to work in, um, you shouldn't have to care. Like it it shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter to you. And we should make it so that you don't have to care.
1: So then, so then you see this kind of evolving. Like, what do you care about? And I know Jess has some things she gets excited about here too. So.
0: What does Jess get excited about? What oh, what's exciting for charity. Jess? I know, <laughs> genetic turn. <Wait, what>? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just feel like it's uh, exciting that people can deploy services easier. Like, I think that's like the the ultimate goal, right? Is like people just want to deploy a thing. Um, yeah. So maybe we can make that easier. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting how things kind of kind of move, right? That it always feels like it goes around in a giant circle. So like we have, we have instances and then everyone's like, okay, well, I just want to be able to deploy my application on these instances. So you make a bunch of tooling to make it easier. And then we do some sort of new primitive. So whether it's VMs or micro VMs or containers, and then we do the whole thing again and say, okay, so we made a bunch of tooling for you to make it easier for you to do this thing. And then you always come back out the other side, right? Which is like, I actually, now that I have this and now that you've made it really good, I don't know if I care about how it works anymore or what you're doing under there. I just kind of want my, I just kind of want my stuff to work. And it doesn't mean that we can't keep innovating underneath that and making it better for them. But ultimately like that is kind of the goal, right? How could you not care and how could you just deploy your stuff? Totally. That like, I, I, I agree with that because like, um, people like really shouldn't care at that level, like what's going on underneath. And like, you can just like flip things out if it still works. Like, Yeah. As long as it still works.
1: I mean, I, I would say every, you know, quote unquote DevOps project that I ever got involved with, aspired to make developers productive and focus on their business logic with some kind of self-service access to, do things that didn't involve configuring a bunch of servers and services. Uh, Most of them, I'll say that's aspirational more than reality, but like we're getting to the point where for the most part, this is, this is a a reality, but at the same time, each of those, each of those layers, even down below that layer, right? So like containers run on servers, as we pointed out, servers have some interesting things. Uh, You know, there's, there's still interesting things in the, in the Silicon. Right. And, and like, that's not, yeah. I mean, some of those have to do with like actually getting exploited and we find new, new ones every day. That's
0: still it's all, interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Interesting. <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating that you have um, the CVEs get better, better logos in marketing than, than some startups now.
0: Oh my God. It's yeah. insane. Like that actually, like, I wish that would stop only because it like, gives this unnecessary amount of hype to the CBEs. And then, like, people start explaining it wrong, and then they start scaring people where it's like, oh, maybe in this instance you don't need that. Like, most people don't think about their threat models. I don't know. Sorry. I'm, like, going to go off on a whole thing. Um, No, I mean, I think there's a lot of fear-mongering. Yeah. Like, it gets attention. So people kind of exploit that, too. Yeah. I love to be the one, though, to be, like, the source of, like, uh truth where like people are like oh my god like the world is ending blah blah blah. it's like no actually like the way it works is like this fucking thing and then like you just like shouldn't worry about it unless you're trying to do this or whatever Um, yeah there's very i think there's very infrequently the voice of reason in some of these things though that it just gets like more and more fear mongery Um, i think part of
1: people want to be they want the attention or, or you know they want the they, they don't make the logos because they don't want attention, right? Like, they want and, – and the alternative is if you don't do that, like, then is it better that no one knows? Yeah, I don't know. No, don't. like,
0: that is actually true because if no one knew, then no one would upgrade because there are the people that probably should upgrade. It, it's a weird, like, catch-point, too. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I kind of actually- think it's better with the with the hype and logos than not.
0: I guess it it does serve a good purpose if it gets people off the affected stuff. It teaches people marketing, which is actually very important.
1: <laughs> yes. So there's this transition that you mentioned, and I'm not, I'm not sure I understand. So if we can talk in an abstract sense, like when you, when you went from the evangelism to the, the zarina what, what actually changed?
0: Um, I guess high level, it means it just meant a closer relationship with the service team. So the, I guess kind of the dividing line here is that evangelism is its own team. Um, developer advocates or Zarina's or kind of like community people um, tend to be part of the, of the service team itself. So the engineering team. So that's, that's ultimately what changed. Um, I do less public facing stuff than I used to. Um, so I do maybe 10% of the travel that I did on the evangelism team. And I spend more time in the office, just working with internal teams instead.
1: So in that, in that capacity, what do you, like, what do you try to do in a day that like helps the mission? If that's something that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I think it, it goes in kind of two directions, right? It go it's the how can I help customers use, use products effectively? So like, how, how can I help you build the right way, build a little bit smarter, build a little bit faster, build a little bit, a little bit more efficiently, maybe do less work. Maybe we, we automate something or we make your Docker layer smaller, something like that. Uh, and then I think the same thing goes inside. So if you have a lot of customers that are struggling with kind of the same thing, um, how can we change how we're thinking about our about our products to listen to them a little bit better? How can we build in a way that suits what they're actually doing? Uh, so I think it's taking feedback in, in both directions. Um, I do some non some non-public facing stuff now, too. so just working with internal teams on, on projects and things like that. So a little bit more product direction and a little bit less public stuff, but they all come down to the same way, right? Helping.
1: helping what, what's the interface that you work with the customers? What
0: do you mean the interface?
1: Like, like you say you don't do public facing stuff. So how do you get into contact or find out or you know it's like they they reach out to you or you reach out to them or there's some formality. Yeah,
0: there. I think it's it's always kind of a combination. I do less conferences and I travel less. It has clearly not stopped me from tweeting all the time. Is just does Twitter count as? public-facing stuff, because in that case, I do just as much public stuff as before, (laughs) but from the comfort of my own home. (laughs) Does Twitter count? Maybe it should count. I'll give it... I don't know.
1: If you want it to count, it counts. Counts. (laughs) I think
0: it's important to have those bridges, though, internally, from, like, you know, customers to teams. Yeah, I I think that's actually... I guess on the subject of, of developer relations and, and stuff like that, that's arguably one of the most important jobs, right? Is And whether you are an official DevRel or evangelist or a developer advocate or whatever we're calling them now, I think even if even if that's not your actual title and that's not your actual job, I think that's a little bit of everyone's job is talking to customers and hearing what their experience is and seeing what they're struggling with or what they're being successful with and then helping take that feedback back to the rest of the engineering teams. I think that's kind of important regardless of of what your job is.
1: Kind of seems like that's the main point of building a service. Crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would think so.
1: Customers might, might, might be a thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can build the coolest thing in the world, right? And if, people are not successful using it or if they don't like using it or if they can't figure it out, then like, what'd you maybe,
1: build it for? Maybe it isn't as cool as you thought it was.
0: Yeah, exactly. Maybe you should have talked to some people about that.
1: Maybe you should have yeah. explained how cool it was.
0: <laughs> I think people really <laughs> underestimate talking to people about things. Cause I, I constantly see these like, and I don't want to like throw shade, but I see like these startups getting funded. I'm like, who the fuck did you talk to before doing this? This is why I have to mark our Podcast as explicit, because I keep doing this um <laughs> like, but it's like who did you talk to like maybe no one, maybe just themselves. it's like this weird like delusion, and then they get v c funding I don't know
1: well I, I mean, you can't it's just like put them the, can't put the blame water. all on one party who did the who did the funding who did the vcs talk to? before they
0: funded it, right? Yeah, no, the, also that. Like, it's like, it's like maybe like uh, the VC should then be talking to people in these communities who like know shit. I don't know. Well, but,
1: but if they did that, then how would we get to experience the failing startups that we get to experience? See? Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. So then is it just the game? All, of all life lesson.
1: One big long life lesson. Yeah. So So speaking of Twitter and life lessons, there's there's this you you stand out as someone who seems to have attracted a lot of uh i don't know i'll call them annoying uh dms or like like interactions that like i don't have to deal with uh, maybe as much or at all Uh, like at all okay like (laughs) Like no one's no one's trying to slide into my DMs, and uh, you know, I just think that's really unfortunate. I, I don't know if there's anything else to say about it, but it's uh, I, I'm embarrassed for all of us.
0: I think the one is interesting because it seems like at, at some point. So when I when I started doing kind of like the tech public speaking, I would say that until two years ago, I did nothing public publicly for tech, I guess, two and a half years ago, like nothing. I think I was a customer speaker at the Amazon summit in New York at my last job before I came here. And that was like the first, the first public speaking that I did for tech. So when I came came to kind of doing the, the DevRel stuff, I had like no social media followers, like 60 people on Twitter. And I'm sure that like, four of them were my family members. Like, they like no one there at all. And I think I still use social media the same, which is probably horrifying. Um, but like at some point people don't, you don't like feel like a real person to them anymore. They like, they're like, they feel like it's totally fine to send you these like weird emails or they feel like they know you. And it gets like, I mean, I don't have open DMS anymore because Jess convinced me that I didn't need open DMS. Um, so that was a, that was a good move. So shout out to, shout out to Jess for that. I'm um, oh good. I felt like a mom. Sometimes I'm like, Just don't do it. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it hasn't stopped them, but it's definitely, it's definitely made it a lot less. I mean, you can still find my email if you really want to send me something gross. Like you can still leave a comment on something and I might see it. You can see me in person, but like there's so much less than there was before. I mean, people will always send it, I guess, which is Maybe not encouraging. I don't know, like, what kind of person is like? Do you know what I should do? I should send a really disgusting message to this person that's just minding their own business. Like that'll show them. (laughs) It's really fucking weird. I I guess that's
1: where I get confused. Is is like, what do what do people think the best possible outcome is from from sending me that kind of message?
0: Attention. Yeah. Maybe want attention or something they want a response so like I don't know. yeah so weird though because like i just like can never imagine being like can they not tell the difference between like good attention and bad attention just like any attention is, is good maybe
1: i just think really? playing, this, playing this game on woman women mode seems like a much harder game that's all i'll say
0: I mean, I'm not even a real person on Twitter anymore. I just changed my picture to Darlene, and I think that that's the the identity that I'm going to have from now on. Yeah, I mean, I also started, like, you know, I I mean, I offer as a service literally taking down bros who say that, like, women aren't technical enough. One, because I get, like, a sick amount of joy from it. (laughs) Um, And two, because it's dumb. Like, it's just a dumb qualifier or whatever it's dumb and it's based off of nothing it like, is no it's just them trying to be like oh i'm so macho or whatever and like do you feel good about yourself big man like <laughs> mm-hmm. I,
1: I don't pretend to understand it um I, I think that there's probably like if i'm being really honest like when when you have a project and you're working with another woman or you're just doing something with a woman like you notice that they're not a, a male but it's like you still should be able to work on this stuff right like it's it's kind of a i i don't have an answer i just i just know it's uh it's very awkward to to like watch what some of these people have to go through and i'm sorry they have to go through it so
0: put that out there there, there are I think there are cool there are people working on this I think in, in a couple cases like tall poppy and I think there was another one that are kind of trying to figure out what to do about the whole like the internet is disgusting thing so props to them for <laughs> for trying to do something about it I guess yeah I'm like not sure what because I looked into a lot of them like a long time ago yeah. but that was before tall poppy existed and like it's a hard problem to solve, it's kind of really interesting. it's super hard, and the, like and even Twitter, which I mean has lots of problems, but when they try to filter out responses, they'll miss really bad ones, but then they'll get like I dropped the f bomb and a reply to you, and it got filtered out, but like they won't catch like all of the gross ones and it, I think it's just a hard problem
1: I think in Twitter's case, they don't really try.
0: No, they definitely don't try. I mean, trying even a little bit would be better than this. And so I, clearly, just zero effort.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think I think the bright line there for me was when you realize they can filter out all Nazi content in Germany because they're required to by law, but like they don't do that anywhere else.
0: It is amazing like- the motivation that required by law will get them. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, they're like, this is a really hard problem, and we don't know how to do it. And they we're like, Germany's like, it's against the law. And they're like, just kidding, we actually knew how to do it all along.
1: <laughs> the, yeah, maybe maybe the people you need to block on Twitter were the friends we made along the way, or something.
0: That's right. <laughs> the opposite, not the friends. Oh, we I,
1: <laughs> see, that's why this is so hard. <laughs> So what do, you, what do you aspire to do? Like, what what are you going to be after the Sardina of containers?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think you, it's are, like – Are unicornals
1: going to be a, be a thing? Is that... uh,
0: I don't think so. Um, I feel like it's, like, an interesting discussion, but, like, I don't think so. But change my mind. I'm going to set up one of those stands and say change my mind on unicornals.
1: I mean, Cantrell. I was pick, like,
0: put it right next to Cantrill's stand because he'll have opinions yeah, on he, that.
1: He has an hour-long rant on the topic, but I feel like he He's had an
0: hour-long rant on every topic. That,
1: that's true. Uh, I feel like the unikernels, everything that people like about containers could be even more true with unikernels, but because containers are kind of good enough, like, we'll never really do the work to like make that happen. Sort of where
0: I I think that's that's probably accurate. That I think there's not enough of a difference to convince people that they need to move. Yeah, I think.
1: Or or to like go build the rest of that tool chain to like do the stuff that you're already getting from the
0: container tool. Right. That if it was an even bigger difference, people might. But I don't think there's enough of a difference to motivate people in the let's build the rest of it category. Yeah, but there is, like, this opportunity for Unikernels to exist not at the container layer, um, but at the firmware layer, because that is actually a win for them, because you get the most minimal interface, and then you're running on the bare metal. So, like, I don't know. I feel like if Unikernels were to exist, let's put them in the firmware versus, like, up the stack.
1: I mean, that that's, like, a lower level. That's almost like the symbiotic bacteria level of the of the cookies, right? like Jesse's like,
0: into biology right now so that, yeah, that makes
1: That's why I dragged that that metaphor out. But but it's like the firmware is like so far removed from what most people think about they're like, sure, go crazy. Build your little unikernal firmware <laughs> tool. It's gonna be great.
0: Jesse <laughs> should do that. Yeah, no like it's cool. So I was talking to people who are working on this. Like I don't really... I don't. I don't personally need to do it, but like, uh, there are people like at the University of Cambridge like running like, uh uni-kernels on RISC-V, which is like bare okay. metal. I don't know. This is like the idealist kind of computing dream, but I don't know if it's like production, like almost enterprise. You know, uh, like so. It's just
1: so hard. how is that the firmware layer though? If they're like, does that mean? Um,
0: I think it, I just am referring it to as the firmware layer because it is like that bare metal layer but it's it's really just like you're running straight up like the first thing like that boots on the thing is the universal.
1: i gotta think about it more i mean i think this is the beautiful thing about the world we live in is like we can make stuff like but like we can make our thoughts happen
0: yeah it's like science fiction thoughts at this point also yeah
1: I mean, I carry around this thing connected to the internet in my pocket. Like that was, that I, I was born in a world with rotary phones.
0: Uh, well, I cannot relate to that. <laughs> I'm, a little,
1: I'm, a little, I'm a little older. But I had a black and white TV.
0: That so that, kind of... Go ahead. So that actually would be kind of cool. I've never like used a rotary phone for real, but I feel like that might be fun. Is it fun?
1: Uh, I'm not sure fun is the right word for it, but there is a, there's a video of these young, like probably young teens. And they have a, they have a task to try to dial a number on a rotary phone, but they don't, no one explains to them how to do it. And that's pretty fun to watch them. I did. I did.
0: Notice myself recently trying to start touching my laptop screen because i've been traveling with the ipad and i've been like poking at it obviously and now whenever i switch back to my actual laptop i've like i've caught myself twice now trying to touch the screen and like i'm hoping no one catches me doing it but like feels real dumb
1: all all the little kids that play with the the tablets will do the same thing yeah little little three-year-olds or whatever can navigate all the all the iPhone, I tablet stuff is fine. iPads are like all over place. and then they like they're like, "What is wrong with this screen? It doesn't respond. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't respond to my 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 greasy little fingers."
0: <laughs> That's crazy. So now it's like ingrained in kids, you know, like tap shit. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I this, but this is this is like layers on layers on layers, right? Like each one of us was born into kind of a different world, and. It's, it's not, it's not really slowing down. In fact, I think it's almost getting faster. It, like we're almost helping it go faster. We aspire to, to help it go faster.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, the devices get even cooler and I guess we keep getting rid of like the actual, like the hardware touching parts, like the buttons on phones are gone on the front. at least for for the iPhones, and now it's it's only the touchscreen, which is kind of cool, I guess.
1: More and more, you just talk to the things.
0: Yeah, I have not quite gotten adjusted to that, but, like, I see where we're going, and I'm like...
1: I mean, it almost works now.
0: Yeah, it does. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes I get the song that I want.
1: Without, it without- did work for me
0: though. In New York, in my last apartment, uh, my neighbors were really drunk, and they had their they had their Alexa out on the on the porch playing music, and they started getting more drunk and listening to like really sad country music. And I was not trying to listen to that, so I went out on my balcony and shouted at Alexa to stop, and she did stop. So that was pretty great. <laughs> Yeah. Stuff. I've been Rick rolled on, on like conference calls before Where like, now I know to turn it off, but like, they were like a uh, play, never going to give you up. And then like, you know, she goes off and then I couldn't get her to shut up. And then I was like freaking out the entire time. So like, it's, it's terrifying.
1: <laughs> every new, uh, every new toy brings a new th- threat model. Right. So. Yeah. True. So I feel like we had a, a pretty good conversation but maybe we can end with you giving an aspiring czarina your advice. For you know, if you're thinking about it, you're somewhere pursuing political science. Uh, well, don't do
0: what I did. <laughs> I don't know. How like, like what, that is. What, what,
1: what would you? What would you tell someone to do?
0: So, yeah, I, I mean, I think my the my best advice we've we've already covered, right? Which is that you have to talk to people. And sometimes it might be as easy as a cold email or DMing someone that you, that you wanted to meet in person. I mean, don't be creepy about it, obviously. Um,
1: but just,
0: just talking to people. I mean, that's how you get customer feedback to make things better. That's how you can get jobs or make connections or speak at conferences. Like you just have to talk to people. And it, it always surprises me how many people either don't talk to customers to find out what they're actually doing they don't talk to their users or they don't they don't talk to the community and i feel like tech is really cool right for for all of the bad stuff it's really fascinating to work here but a lot of what makes it fascinating is is the people and i don't think you get nearly the same experience in a vacuum just working on stuff as you do if you 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 talk to the people around you you'll always there's always something else to learn there's always a different opinion that someone else has i think you miss that if you if you don't if you don't talk to people even 100%. if you are
1: very very focused on unikernels. You're, you're
0: even just, if you're very very focused on unikernels. i think the unikernel people are very very like uh, realistic for what it's worth. they talk to you i don't I mean, love them they're like awesome, awesome people it.
1: Alright. I think that was uh that was weird trick mafia.
0: Woo <laughs>